This is the Money Savvy Podcast from MoneyWeb, where we tackle personal finance matters with leading financial advisors. Your host, Peter Mero and Soko. Welcome to the Money Savvy Podcast. I'm Pitumelo Nzoko. In this episode, we're going to be looking at investments that normally don't form part of your investment portfolio. But if you already have good investments and some extra funds lying around, there may perhaps be options for you to look at. Joining me to discuss these interesting alternative investments is Alka Brink, who is a wealth advisor at PSG Wealth. Welcome, Alka. Thank you. Thank you for having me. So Nitrang's 2020 wealth report showed that the value of rare whiskey has soared 564% in the last decade. And the asset has outperformed not only fine wine, but every other luxury asset. What are your thoughts on investing in this asset class? Yeah, this is basically a, a fun topic today. Yeah. Um, I think just to, to add to your intro, when it comes to alternative investing, I think it's important to, to remember that this is, doesn't form part of your conventional portfolio. So the ideal for any person's basic portfolio should always still be to have the, if I can call it, 60-40 approach, 60% being in equity exposure and 40% being in cash and bonds. And and this would be your, your safe haven retirement planning portfolio. But alternative investing is definitely a very fascinating topic. And like you mentioned yourself, if you have some funds lying around, there's quite a few fun things you can <laughs> invest in and play with. So, um, yeah, so the first thing is whiskey. So, at the moment, what basically happened is that um, they started aging whiskey. So, of course, you, which is, of course, part of the process. So, firstly, when it also comes to this, you, you definitely need to have some patience. <laughs> so, um, recently, bottles of about 95-year-old Scotch whiskey sold for between $1 million and $2 million. So, people started investing in this. Um, but they are investing in barrels specifically because, which was quite interesting for me to see, is the process of making whiskey um, is different than wine. So once whiskey is bottled, the aging stops. So that's why it's ideally kept in casks. And um, yeah, so keeping it for for many years. So um, I think um, a cost price starts at about $11,000 and can run to around $700,000 for, of course, the best of the best. Um, But I'm sure they will probably start making it more affordable. It would be interesting to see. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and staying on the topic of alcohol, is fine wine still a sector worth getting into? Definitely. So wine, I think when it comes to basically building any portfolio, and that's why alternative investing is an interesting topic. It always comes to, of course, diversifying your portfolio, um, but also it comes to correlation. So you would typically want assets in your portfolio which are not really correlated in terms of um, if something happens in the market, for example, you want safe havens that's not affected by by movements in the market. And when it comes to wine, of course, um, it's not correlated to the stock market at all which is, um, of course, a safe haven. Yeah, if you had invested $100 in the fine wine market, so you can invest in markets as well. In, in 1952, your investment would have been worth $420,000 today. So they compared it now specifically American. If you were to invest that in the S&P 500, you would have only had $100,000. So mm. it was definitely a great opportunity. I think with wine, it's just very important, of course, to, to really know what you're doing in terms of um, what you're buying and if you're either investing in 
like I just mentioned, in more of a stock market type of approach, if I can compare it to that. But many people actually buy the real wine bottles. And there you really have to do your homework. Firstly, in terms of how it was stored. Was it stored the correct way if it's a vintage wine? Um, so that you're actually buying a, a proper quality product. And then it really comes to, of course, um, ratings. And you want to look at scarcity. So if it's a type of wine that there's not, of course, many bottles being bottled. And of course, it has to be something that people would want to drink. So um, I think that's where the benefit of the asset loss also comes in. Obviously, as some of the bottles are being utilized, <laughs> if I can call it that, um, the scarcity goes up. So it just becomes more valuable. According to CNBC, Neil Young sold half of his music catalogue in January for a reported $150 million. Most recently, it was reported that Rockefeller co-founder Damon Dash tried to mint and sell the copyright for Jay-Z's debut album, Reasonable Doubt, as a non-fungible token. It seems there's great interest in owning music rights. Is this worth looking into? Yes, I actually found this one quite interesting. And I think it comes back to the fact that um, the the era we're living in, um, streaming, the streaming revolution is making old music um, more valuable, which is actually kind of special. So um, there's definitely, of course, as with all these asset classes, there are risks involved. I think the music mm-hmm. industry is also quite unpredictable. But there's actually stocks listed where you can buy rights and songs. So it's actually quite an interesting, quite an interesting um, asset class, if I could call it that. Insects are touted as somewhat of an alternative to meat. In SA, there was even a restaurant that had an insect-based menu. Do you think investing in insect farms can offer value to investors? I definitely think so, even if I don't like the idea. (laughs) (laughs) So um, it's actually a really interesting topic if you go and read about it a little bit. And it has to do, of course, firstly with overpopulation, which is definitely becoming a problem um, globally, and the combination of climate change, which is um, placing a lot of pressure on global food production. So insects have become a good alternative for protein and food sources. So, um, yeah, it's definitely not something I would want to do today, but it's it's a great um, investment route. And I think it's this is still going to be something big in future. Yeah. And moving on to classic cars, according to Knight Frank, the value of the classic car market internationally has over the past 10 years appreciated more than that of watches, wine, jewelry, stamps and art. That sounds like an, an excellent investment. Can the ordinary person get a slice of this investment pie? I definitely think so. I think um, I would place classic cars in the same bracket as fine wine. I think it's very important to do your homework and to to know what you are buying. And I'll elaborate on that now a little bit more. But um, it was actually quite interesting. So Bloomberg posted a, a very interesting graph quite recently where they were specifically referring to vintage Ferraris. And um, from the time frame from 2008 up until 2018, there was actually a much larger return compared to U.S. stocks. So almost a 40% outperformance if you had a vintage Ferrari, mm. which is actually quite interesting. Um, but when it comes to, to classic cars, I think there's a lot of things that um, you have to know what you're buying. Um, firstly, of course, firstly, there's a reason these cars are not being made anymore. So um, they have old technology. They are not very practical, most probably in terms of every component of the car that's being used. It's not the best materials anymore. So taking into account restoration, that still needs to to happen. And of course, ensuring you really know the real cost, which is actually not so easy to find out in the 
classical market. So the seller will, will most probably not really um, make it so easy to understand what the what the real value of the car is. And um, of course, also take into account if it's inflation adjusted. So um, have you really done the calculation in terms of if this is a good buy or not? And I think all of this comes back to opportunity cost also. If you really had to do the calculation, if you pay X amount for a certain period of time compared to if you just invested in the stock market. Is it really a good investment or is it just fun? <laughs> According to Grandview Research, the global cannabis market is expected to reach $70 billion by 2028. And then in South Africa, it's estimated to be worth 27 billion rand by 2023, according to stats by the Cannabis Development Council. I know there's a lot of interest in the sector, so how can one get into this? Yeah, so it's actually quite interesting how big this has become, not only in South Africa, but globally, of course. So um, I think the fact that in, in many places in the world, but now specifically referring to South Africa, it has been legalized and mm. it's being regulated by um, health boards. So, of course, the idea of it is <laughs> to more out of a medical approach in, in many cases, but you can access this market um, through the stock market. So it's there's actually a range of funds that you can invest in. So um either funds that are focused on that or you get ETFs, you get direct stocks. So there's actually um, a lot of access to it, not only on the local market, but also globally. And um, I would say that would be probably the most easy way to, to access the sector. Thank you, Alka. That was Alka Brink, who is a wealth advisor at PSU Well. Thanks for listening to the Money Savvy podcast hosted by Britamelo and Sorko. To listen to more MoneyWeb podcasts, go to moneyweb.co.za or the MoneyWeb app and follow MoneyWeb News for daily updates.